So, you're interested in the Advanced Diplomacy Workshop. Where do you see yourself negotiating peace in five years? I... Um, Just take a breath and say the first thing that comes to mind. Mariner! Yeah. Mariner what? Uh... Is hot? Excuse me? Uh, I don't know. She's not hot. She's nasty! <laughs> Ensign Boimler didn't bother to prepare for an interview. Terrible. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and with me in the away team are... Dinah McPhail. Max. Adam Bowen. Emily Bowen-Marler. Strange New Takes is a brand new Star Trek-themed pod. We had this great idea that we were going to make a Star Trek podcast about Strange New Worlds, but that's going to be uh, several years from now, probably. <laughs> I can't imagine how anyone can get anything done in times like this. So uh, we're going to be jumping in a little bit early because we didn't want to just sit around and do nothing. So uh, we're going to today bring you the uh, our strange new takes for the ninth episode, which is of Lower Decks, which is Crisis Point. But before we get there, we want to encourage you to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, please make sure to tell your friends to listen to us. We love getting strange new listeners from all over the world, and your recommendations will help get us there. Additionally, please don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Your ratings will help us appear higher on search lists when people look for a Star Trek podcast to listen to. And as a PSA, you might not need to hear this, but I'm going to say it again. This podcast, this episode, and literally all of the episodes of our podcast include spoilers for this episode of Lower Decks and potentially, like any other episode of Star Trek. So if you haven't had a chance to watch Crisis Point and you don't want to be spoiled, feel free to like put this on hold while you go and run along and watch Crisis Point. But if you don't really care, jump on in with us. Alternatively, you could watch all the Star Trek movies and then, you know, get all the references anyway. <laughs> you actually do. It's kind of like required reading for this episode is you need to watch like all of the right. movies. Um, except maybe Final Frontier. We did not have a disembodied head of God speaking to us. Uh, I feel like there were oh, a little bit of some callbacks oh, there. The, I think there were some, okay. some tidbits. All right, all right. Yeah, I yeah. want to hear them. I want to hear them. So here's the episode summary of Crisis Point from Memory Alpha. Mariner repurposes Boimler's holodeck program to cast herself as the villain in a Lower Decks style movie. Okay. So I'm going to start our Strange New Takes. Usually when I make the notes, I'm careful not to put myself as one of the people who will start with the Strange New Takes. But this week, I want to start. And I don't know how that's going to go, whether that's going to ruin the rest of this episode or not. Get ready um, for a terrible episode. <laughs> right now, right? Um, my first Strange New Take is that if you put a banh mi in the fridge for a little while, it makes the bread a little stale, but still it's edible and really good. So don't worry about it. Just do it. Second Strange Sorry. New Take is... This might be the first time in my entire track watching, and, and I've not watched the animated series, I've not watched um, original series, so take that into account when I say this, that I've actually been physically disgusted with a main character in Star Trek. And mm -hmm. I think this might be one of the worst episodes of Star Trek I've ever watched. Ah. And I, I, there are a few episodes of Star Trek where you can't make me watch it again. 
and where I would like there are some where I'm like ah really I gotta do that okay no problem this is one where I was like I don't want to watch this again I did because I had to take notes because I didn't the first time <laughs> I regretted that I didn't but man I hated Mariner through this whole thing and it's wow there are other things in this movie beyond just what she did that make me really uncomfortable with the writing and I'll get to that when we talk about the writing but like Jeez, I was not prepared for this. And I I wonder if some of it was like I was in a bad mood when I watched it the first time and whether that transferred. And maybe y'all and your treatment of this in this podcast. This is why I'm happy we do this podcast because y'all maybe can be like, nah, you're an idiot. And here's like, da, 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 all the reasons why. So <laughs> commence that now. Uh, wow. Damn. Okay. Oh, wow. Gosh, I don't know how to follow that one, but... Sorry, <laughs> I knew I was going to ruin things by saying that at the beginning. I was like, should I go last or should I go first? Apologies. <laughs> well, my strange new take is that I have this fear that um, all of the little creatures in my house are going to make recording this podcast a little crazy. <laughs> because I have my dog who jumped up behind me. I have my cat who's starting to beg for lunch and my toddler who is just outside so we will see what happens but you know this is this is covid um <laughs> life right <laughs> so <laughs> anyway uh, my strange new take on the episode is that um which maybe this isn't such a strange new take but um mariner and freeman are very very similar and that mm. is why they bump heads there were a few things that mm. happened in this episode that i was like huh Captain Freeman is an is a lot like her daughter and maybe just doesn't want to own up to that. So Yeah. So my strange my first strange new take um is that I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but there's a Wendy's commercial for a double bacon cheeseburger. And if you listen really carefully, that's Rutherford's voice. I guarantee you, I'll bet I'll put money on it that, that is Rutherford's voice. Oh, you're watching football. Look it up. And there's like seven, 17 different iterations of this commercial. I, I listen. I would. I don't have an inheritance. I don't have a lot to pass down to whatever, like whatever dogs we have. But like, realistically, that's Rutherford's voice. So that's my first strange new take. And I'm gonna be really upset if I'm wrong. <laughs> but the second strange new take. It's actually kind of similar to yours, Emily, but I, the Mariner and Boimler, I mean, they, they play off each other in general a lot in this show, but one of the things that they have most in common is that they completely run roughshod over everyone else because of what they want. And we see that twice in this episode with both of them. Um, and so I think the, the these dy like dynamic pairings of these characters, mostly like Mariner and Freeman and Mar Mariner and Boimler, work so well because they're so similar. But also it puts us in a bit of a moral quandary with all of these main characters because it's like, everything you're doing is bad, actually. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm now, I, I agree a little bit, Notch, where I'm struggling a little bit emotionally with some of the characters that we have as they've been presented so far. And I'm hoping for growth. Yeah. So uh, let's see, I've got a couple strange new takes for you. Um, the first one here is, is also food related uh, notch um, and uh, tried a new pizza the other day. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I have sort of a new ideal combo of mm -hmm, toppings for mm -hmm. a pizza. And that is, uh, pepperoni, feta cheese, and banana peppers. So good. It is so salty, mm -hmm. so savory. 
Give it a try. It's delicious. Just, just go do it. Your next pizza. That's what you need. Strange new pizza. Uh, related. Yeah. <laughs> strange new pizza. pizza. There you go. Official strange pizza of the podcast. <laughs> uh, send your endorsement checks here. Um, in terms of the episode, um, my, my strange new take there is related to an important piece of Federation technology. And I think we can say that at this point, after this episode, this has been established as canon. Um, the most important upgrade that a ship can receive is lens flare and the more of it you have the better i, I think you know we had kind of the the abrams era where you know we, we had a lot of lens flare but it was like okay is is this truly canon across the trek universe i think now we can say it is and the more you have the better yeah ab- absolutely there uh, so yeah, I I uh, I have a strange new take. My I, it seems like our format is now uh, what real life strange new take than uh, episode one. So my real life one is hide your chickens. I uh, I we had <laughs> our first uh, uh, hawk attack from uh, on our our chickens oh uh, on on Monday I think. Uh, luckily Jenny was there and was able to rescue our chickens and everything was fine but uh, oh my God. those hawks will uh, float uh, uh, 200 feet above your house and then uh, fly down and try to eat your chickens so keep those Holy ladies uh, sequestered and uh, yeah protect them uh, in terms of the episode though uh, the my strange new take is blow up the damn ship uh, for, for whatever reason, I, yes. I, I I know we have done it so many times, uh, and it maybe maybe you just have to do it in the movies now, but I just I love it every single time. Like I I cannot get enough. I I I, I mean, so there's Star Trek for half of my love is the ethics. The other the other half is ship porn, and uh, the the height of that is yeah. is blowing that shit up and crashing it into a planet. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I think there are also uh, writers' room reasons to do it. We we take away sort of the biggest asset for our characters. We make them get get deeper down, and there, there's less techno babble techno babble uh, chances when you like literally don't have a ship anymore. But uh, yeah, just do it. Blow it up. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, as as long as you have data going, oh shit, when it happens, I'm okay with really anything. That happens. So, uh, and if Counselor Troy is there, she should be piloting it. Of course, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, let, let's let's jump into talking about story and writing. First of all, you said it before. This was a parody of all the movies, right? And and mm-hmm. there were a lot of references. I have a list over here that I'm just gonna rattle off real quick. And if you, if there's something I missed, y'all can do it. There's the upgraded ship, um, mm-hmm. the the fact that there's a useless vehicle in the beginning of the 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 movie, like a la uh, yeah, Nemesis. The, yeah, the Argo Nemesis. for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You need Worf on the gun turret. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you had the, you had the lens flare as as was mentioned before. You've got the catwalk fight, um, which they apparently maybe had to refilm like they did with Gen- uh, Generations. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> the the big ridiculous weapon, which if you if you read the script that Mariner's feverishly typing in uh, in the holodeck, you actually see the the page where Shax is shown to be holding. I forget the exact text, but it's like he's holding a ridiculous movie budget weapon. <laughs> and, uh, it's the captain's birthday, just like yep. it is in Wrath of Khan at the yep. beginning. 
There's the flyby of the ship. Um, the, the really pornographic one. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Although I don't think Trip Tucker was in tears when they did that in Enterprise. Um, no. You got the vengeance-fueled villain who reads Shakespeare, a la General Chang. Mm-hmm. You got the crash of the ship, a la uh, Generations, Generations, a la Nemesis. Beyond. Uh, Beyond. Every single one. Gener- yeah. mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's also a... T- t- uh, Original series movie, um, so it's for Spock, right? It crashes at the end. I think they yeah. blow it up. Yeah, they blow it up. Oh yeah, yeah. They blow yeah. it up, and and it, I think it kind of like burns up in the atmosphere or something. We don't. Yeah. They right. didn't have the budget for uh, showing the saucer section slice open a mountain. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right, and and there's Voyager, Timeless, one of my favorite episodes of Trek. Yeah. Oh yeah. Time. Oh, absolutely. This is why you need a ship that can land. Right. Yes, Voyager right. has has the edge here. You get, your ship, get you a ship that can do both. <laughs> yeah, okay. get you a ship <laughs> Blow that up can and do land. Both. Yep, yep. Uh, you got the weird beaming stuff a la Star Trek 2009, a la Nemesis. Mm-hmm. Like there's the emergency transport and to in, save the captain as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Into darkness also. It, mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. Uh, you got the the signatures at the end, just like Undiscovered County, uh, Country, mm-hmm. sorry. I always think Undiscovered County, and it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Middlesex County, baby, the Undiscovered County. <laughs> the Bridges of Undiscovered County. Anyway. <laughs> uh, great movie. Meryl Streep was right. so good in that movie, my God. She was so good. Right. Uh, there are tons of great music cues. I genuinely liked when Freeman walks onto the bridge and there's that like cinematic, like the, the overall theme motif mm-hmm. plays like it does in the It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then there's the ending with the torpedo case, just like Spock in, in Search for Spock. But mm-hmm. I, that was, I had an issue with that. Is there anything else I missed <laughs> that was like a movie um, thing? No, I think a lot of the things are stuff that we've already covered. I think that... Um, the art direction obviously was spot on in terms of all the little insular kind of things. Um, and it definitely the music definitely was much more um, Bowen's man, Michael Giacchino for 2009. Like yeah, they, really like there's some uh, James Horner stuff in there for I sure. Say, yeah. yeah, definitely mm-hmm. to wrath of Khan for yeah, sure. The, totally. with the, the sort of the, the overture type uh, sounds to a lot of the, that part. Yeah. I was actually, I was glad that you were first in our strange new takes. Cause I was going to try to not take that from you. If that was your strange new take. It was actually Travis's like we were watching this and okay, so I have to make a confession. Um, so my favorite series is Deep Space Nine. My favorite movies are the next gen movies. Mm-hmm. Even though my first introduction to Star Trek would have been the original series movies, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. not the series mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I really um, eh to Wrath of Khan. Like it's mm-hmm. it's not my thing. Like mm-hmm. I love First Contact. First Contact is my yes. favorite of all the Star Trek movies. Yeah. So and I was really disappointed yeah. that they didn't have a lot of. Uh, callbacks to first contact in this, especially mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. this is like a love letter to TNG. But um, so I totally missed. I was thinking like motion picture, or I I didn't catch on how much it mirrored Wrath of Khan. But Travis's mm-hmm. favorite Star Trek movie is Wrath of Khan, and uh-huh. he's like, so we're watching it, and he's pulling up the beginning of Wrath of Khan so he can show me, <laughs> and he's like, we're gonna watch this, and then we're gonna watch the begin, you know, this part of the of the show again, and we, yeah, sure enough, and I mean you. Could hear the music cues mm-hmm, exactly mm-hmm. so oh my god yeah, yeah. <laughs> huh. like a study it's wild yeah that's it so uh, no. <laughs> yeah sorry i was just thinking about, like i was just thinking about like writing in general for this episode and i had a lot of mixed feelings about this episode i think that in what in a lot of ways this episode was totally necessary in this in the season where we are right now because we've like we've talked about 
for the past few weeks now, we've kind of had a retreading of the same old ground when it comes to people's motivations and their characterization and their relationships. And so like having a, a turning point in at this point in the up in the season is like really necessary. Um, but there's and, and, and the, I mean, the extended joke of the movie is funny, like just for all the, the jokes that are put in it is really enjoying. It is really enjoyable in that way. But like overall, I think this this episode is a lot smaller than the sum of its parts, I would say. Like, uh, I I mean, one of the things that is important about the holodeck episodes, because it's kind of a classic holodeck episode in a lot of ways, is that like either the one person who goes into the holodeck learns what they need to learn and develops the relationship, or, like develops the stuff that they need to develop, or the people who go on the holodeck together work on their relationships within the holodeck. And that really doesn't change at all, except for um, like Deep Space Nine with Julian's um, like nightclub holodeck program, where you know, the, the the night club singer, like, becomes a sentient being and they have to have that morality tale mm-hmm. about whether or not he should exist and all that stuff like that. But this episode doesn't do that <laughs> because we have Mariner go in making a lot of poor choices and potentially a lot of, like, really weird and psychologically confusing choices. And Max, maybe you can tell us more about your psychological <laughs> read on this whole situation. Mm. <laughs> but, like, because Freeman didn't go into the holodeck with Mariner... They didn't learn anything together. They didn't work on anything together. And so Mariner's whole realization, like, obviously, it kind of had to come from meeting herself uh, in the holodeck and, like, fighting her shadow self. Um, But, like, there's no real progress in their relationship. All there is currently is, like, Mariner being like, I guess you're a good mom. But they didn't work on that together. And so there's no, except for, like, Boimler finding out the truth about Mariner and her relationship, there's no real world application of any changes that Mariner had, if that makes sense. So I, it, I don't, I don't love it as a holodeck episode either. It just fixes what happened at the beginning, which is again, I think one of the problems right. is Mariner's relationship with her mom breaks at the beginning of this episode. It's not like through right. the, the entire right. season we see it fraying. It's just like for the first nine episodes or first eight episodes like oh mom rats that sucks and then now it's like you bitch and it's like whoa i'm gonna kill you in the holiday right (laughs) yeah it's weird i don't know man um yeah especially when they had little moments of other places in the series where it mm -hmm. seemed like they were doing okay so it was like what the hell happened between those episodes and the beginning of Mm -hmm. this episode right and i i guess maybe part of the problem is that uh so i i think they have done the episodic format pretty well uh, over mm-hmm. the course of this series, but uh, doing sort of big character arc things like that, it is probably harder to like. We're, we are missing out on the justification for a lot of her feelings, uh, where we would have gotten that in uh, if we were following more of the Deep Space Nine uh, format. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I think that, um, you know, Donna, you were talking about this being kind of a classic uh, holodeck episode. And I think in addition to that, it's also sort of trying to be a mirror universe mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. And I think like, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about that. I know um, several episodes, again, kind of p- the potential for a mirror universe, especially in an animated series, because mm-hmm. you can maybe go some places that you couldn't go otherwise. But I think maybe in trying to do that, it's it's trying to do too many things at once. Mm-hmm. It's a holodeck episode. It's a mirror mm-hmm. universe episode. It's trying to be an homage to all the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it just kind of spread itself a little too thin. Yeah. 
I feel like if the if the writers, I mean, if the writers do have weaknesses, obviously. So it's not like if the writers have weaknesses, here they are. But the things that have come up across the season so far for the the, the their foibles, it's like they're trying to put too much into an episode. They're trying to explain too many things, and they're trying to make it funny and also serious at the same time, right? So it's like yeah. the tone is off because we t- we talked about there being like convenient times when you know mariner makes a bad choice but like it's okay but another person makes a bad choice and it's not okay so like there's this weird Mm -hmm. like inconsistency with the characters Mm. there's also the times when they've been like isn't it great that we work together and like i get it i get it oh my god you don't have to tell me i get it um and it's you see this a lot you see this especially at the end of the episode where mariner fights mariner prime and they hit like and mariner prime ends up you know winning and Mariner has this, like, realization. But, like, the realization comes in, like, five seconds of dialogue rather than any animation, rather than any, like, silence, any kind of, like, art direction, which was amazing. The art direction in this episode is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, you could trust your animators to do this kind of work for you without putting it in. But, like, Mariner's epiphany after brutally slaughtering people that she knows <laughs> with bazookas and lasers and accusing her like making her friend really uncomfortable by like with racial stereotypes and stuff her realization after killing her own shadow self is like yeah i guess my mom is a good mom okay cool the end and you're like whoa whoa so much more just happened than you just you know what i mean like and and that then that's a writing Hmm. foible we've seen it again and again and again and this is just the the worst example of it so where I thought you were about to lead up to is another one. So yes, I agree. But I thought you were going to go in a different direction, which is where I want to take us now, which is the treatment of therapy in this episode. Yeah. Man, it felt like this episode was written in like the 60s. And you know, there's mm-hmm. that episode of Mad Men where uh, Betty Draper mm-hmm. has to go see a therapist and Don then calls the therapist at night and like the therapist <laughs> yeah, tells tells mm-hmm. him everything that happened. Yeah. This is what that felt like. Right down to Freeman, then going to the counselor and being like, yo, tell me what my daughter said. And then like, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it didn't make any sense. And and the epiphany that I thought you were going to talk about, Diana, was at the end, she's like, guys, therapy works. Yeah, duh. Yeah. <laughs> but also like, you didn't do therapy. Right. <laughs> you slaughtered a bunch of people on a holiday. Max, I, what, did, what did you think about this episode yeah. when it comes to therapy? Well, man, yeah. So for all, all our listeners out there, full disclosure, I am a therapist. <laughs> and so... Um, yeah, this this was an interesting episode to watch. Uh, you know, Notch, I, I think you hit it spot on. This this seemed like a very um, antiquated and I mean, I, this is one of those use, words that's really overused these days. But you know, I think it is kind of problematic the the view of, of therapy that you see mm-hmm. here. And I think there was kind of this one throwaway line about like it's the 80s, like, we don't have psychiatric problems or something like Mm -hmm. that. And, you know, okay, like, you know, all right. So there's a little bit of context there in terms of maybe what they were trying to do in the the way they portrayed Mm -hmm. um, Mariner's issues here. But, like, I don't know. Come on. I I think especially the resolution that we see where, yeah, like you said, she says, oh, therapy works. And and she hasn't done any therapy. Uh, You know, this is like when people think, like, oh, you know, maybe I'll just, like, kind of go figure this out myself i just need to go like find myself and you know maybe travel around europe for a while <laughs> like or something the like that. Trail <laughs> like, no no that's that's not Dangerous. what you need stop it yeah dude you, you know that um the the you know it's the 80s dude we don't have psychiatric problems i 
I wonder if that is kind of a, a calling in of Gene Roddenberry because Gene <laughs> yeah. Roddenberry had these um, notions of how people in the 24th century would be like, you mm-hmm. know, no conflict. Mm-hmm. Like that was why TNG, like there, if there was ever conflict that had to come from outside of the ship. Right. But then Deep yeah. Space Nine wanted to kind of flip that a little bit and have yeah. some conflict within the cast. But, um, but you know, also I, now the granted they did have a counselor on the, um, on the ship in TNG, but it still was this feeling of like, like people just don't wrestle with these things, you know, right. people, yeah. humanity is so evolved in the 24th right. century that, that we don't need this stuff when I'm sorry, but that's, that's just not ever going to be reality. Right. Or like, right? or like, what is his name? Barkley? Like is, is like broken. Cause he needs yes. to go to therapy or something. You're like, Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> like that's right. weird. Stop it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So go on. This is one of those things that it, it makes me wish that we had started even earlier audience uh, and and done Picard together uh, because it, right. uh, th- one of the things that I was uh, so struck by uh, in I forget the name of the episode but uh, Nepenthe maybe uh, mm-hmm. where we we see Troy like uh, for the first time yeah. written as if she is a person that actually has uh, empathy as like one of her top yes. character traits right, right. and <laughs> as if the writers have actually either. Uh, seen someone be in therapy or been in it themselves uh mm-hmm. it, it's uh it was it was startling to like oh we can have her character written really well and <laughs> and like right. sort of uh where like, it was more like than just a superpower that. yeah yeah, yeah and, it, and it's uh mm-hmm. uh I, I i can definitely see what you're talking about with the uh the sort of antiquated look at therapy uh in this mm-hmm. episode which i guess does connect better to what tng therapy was and whatnot but yeah yeah I, just, I mean, I think, I think, and in terms of character, like, I mean, clearly Mariner actually does need therapy. Like, she's some, she's dealing with some stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and people who are dealing with stuff should go to therapy, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with it. And her being upset that she's being told to go to, being ordered to go to therapy, I mean, that makes sense because people don't love being ordered to do stuff, especially, like, face their demons. So it makes sense, but then to sort of subsume that real serious need that she actually has in the show with this all long running joke of the movie it it doesn't do anything it doesn't get anything done it doesn't create and, and you know like i i don't know man i i had some issues i think i think the the movie joke is a great joke mm-hmm. i wouldn't say that we should never use the movie joke i think that's awesome however i think it was a bad move for this episode I think it was a really, really bad choice. Like having an episode where of a cartoon show, whether for children or for adults, doesn't even matter, where a character who has been through a lot of stuff and is dealing with things and is dealing with an identity crisis goes to therapy and works on their stuff is actually super important. (laughs) And to not make it about an action sequence or a joke, but turn it into something that's real and um, empathetic and whole that's important and we don't need to just do cartoon jokes all the time if that's your point and if i mean if your point is like she comes to learn the value value of therapy first of all she should do therapy secondly like give the time give the time to that that storyline because that's the most important storyline well it's even worse if you're not going to give time to that story that's so that's so irresponsible no it is it is significantly worse which is that their point is go kill your co-workers on the holodeck and that'll make you okay like that is the lesson of this episode and it's it's 
absurd. At the end, right. you know, she says a bunch of bigoted stuff in here, and that's just right. like waved away because you know there's a little bit of like Deus Ex Machina with Dendi being like, "Well, we've not been that for." Five years, and then it's like, oh, yep, that's okay then. All right, those those yeah. stereotypes are earned, right? And right. this, it's it's I I kept thinking about like what did we come away with? And you don't you know you don't need every episode to be like measure of a man, right? You don't need a philosophical right, no. takeaway from every episode. No, but don't make it something worse, like bad, like holodecks right. let you kill people, and that makes you feel better. Like that is. It, it hurt Mariner's redeemability in my part. It also hurt the redeemability that kind of where you were going, which is also that we don't actually see her get like any of her real issues diagnosed. Like, I don't know if diagnosed right, right word, but like mm. we don't see her Addressed struggling with names. them at the end of it right. still. It's just all hand waved away. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. she wanted to like torture Dr. Toana. Like actually, like, she right. says really right. torture you know, she flips her shit at one point in the, in to Tendi to the point where Tendi like in disgust walks away. And there were several moments in this episode, and maybe we can just jump in to talk about Mariner at this point with character development. But like, there are multiple points in this episode where I was just disgusted, like actually physically disgusted. Where like I again, I have I said this in my strange new take. I've never felt like the bile rising for me in a Star mm-hmm. Trek episode with something that a main character did. And I think the reason that it did with this one is not only is the character doing something disgusting, the episode doesn't seem to be, like, recognizing that it's that way. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Like, mm-hmm. I'll just, and I'll, just just for the sake of, like, clarity, I'll mention just a couple of examples. Because when I was taking notes, I, I wrote this down um, as, like, okay, this is, like, first of all, her, like, killing the shampoo character. Just, like, zap. Right. That was one um then there was the point where she like talked about torturing the cat doctor the point where she's like shooting her co-workers in the in the in the hallway all of those moments it's just like whoa what what is what is happening here this is like and mm-hmm. you're talking about the tone of the movie parody this is where the tone of that parody like clashed against what mm-hmm. was actually happening in the story where i was like mm-hmm. this doesn't make any sense like i, mm-hmm. I sh- it feels like i should be laughing at this and i really don't want to when it's yeah. like further, like like way pulling back the veil on how much she needs therapy. Like right. we didn't even realize that th- her problems were this bad mm-hmm. and this right. deep. You know, it's just it was like shining a big light with, and it felt like without the writers knowing it or realizing right. what a light they were shining on the character. Yeah, right. Because I mean, we think about like I mean, she's obviously had some trouble following orders and stuff before, and she did like undercut her own herself with her friend with R- Ramsey. Um, and trying to play herself to be like a buffoon, like she doesn't want to succeed or something. But then there's this, and this is, I, yeah, I struggled with this one too. I think I agree not that there's, there's a real tonal mismatch here. Um, and I, I don't know what it tells us. And I, what, I mean, if somebody had like strong fantasies about shooting their, all their coworkers and their mom <laughs> and like, what, what, what yeah. would you like, well, she wanted what's to stab about her, her as a she person? Didn't want to, she didn't want to stab shoot her. her mom, so that's a difference. St- shoot everybody else, but only stab her mom. Well, she wanted yeah, to, like, yeah, torture her. her mother. Like, she wanted her right. mother to yeah. experience yeah, something far worse than what she was inflicting yeah. on the others. Right. What are you you just talking about this is making me so uncomfortable, y'all. Right? Yeah. I know. Well, yeah. So I, I'm not, I'm not going to, like, try to diagnose this character <laughs> on, on the TV show. I feel like our, our listeners don't maybe even want to hear that. But, I, you know, I think, I think in some ways we're kind of... At least, you know, I, I agree with, with all of what you guys are saying, but in some ways I sort of feel like we're bumping up against 
um, the balance that this show is trying to strike between, you know, humor um, and tackling maybe more serious topics in, in sort of a mm-hmm. traditional Trek way. And I think, you know, if this had been an episode of Deep Space Nine or of Next Generation, we, we probably would have had like a more nuanced exploration of, you know, these mental health issues, working through them, what the resolution is going to look like, you know, but in a, in a show where I'm sure there's a lot of pressure for it to be, you know, funny mm-hmm. every week mm-hmm. and there need to be gags, there need to be visual gags. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's it's a challenging thing to have a comedic animated series that also is equally effective in terms of like dealing with sort of serious human issues. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a lot of of shows that have really done that. Shout out to Bojack Horseman. Uh, hey, I, yeah. I don't know yeah, how you seriously. feel about it, but it like for me that yeah. that is one of the most honest shows that I've ever seen, and it's really weird that it's about a talking horse. Like yeah. it, it's, yeah. no, it's so but good, it, and, and I think some of the the thing that you're you're getting on is uh it's it's not like that we deal with uh with Bojack's like addiction in one episode and like whatever like it, that uh, that series like it takes the entire time to unpack all the problems that everyone has mm-hmm. and it like yes there's sight gags yes there's like one off mm-hmm. things or like uh, they focus on something in, in an episode but like the the whole series is unpacking that stuff for everybody and it's uh, yeah. and the, the reality is you, you just you can't do that in a single episode the way that they did with this one. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it makes me, it does make me wish. I mean, part of part, part of it makes me wish that this episode was did not get cobbled together the way that it did, mm. because there are some real problems with it. But it also makes me wish kind of what Bowen was saying before, like that there was some sort of inkling about this kind of stuff before this episode. Mm. Because I think Emily, Emily, you pointed out that it's like, oh, the 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 break in the relationship comes in the beginning of this episode, and all of a sudden, Mariner's like, I dream about torturing my mom, and it's like, well, then what, <laughs> what happened to you, and who hurt you, and what's going on, and then like, there's no, there's again, there's no, there's no awareness, and I think there's there's a, there's a real lack of awareness with when it comes to how the writers write Mariner, Mariner specifically, it seems like they don't understand the way that they're writing her has a lot of issues and it's not like it's, it's a lot of characterization issues. It's a lot of emotional issues. It doesn't, it's not consistent and it's not fair and it's not a good example of what a, somebody who is struggling, but remains a loyal Starfleet officer should be like, that's not who she is, especially after this episode. I agree notch, but like all the way through, it's always been so convenient to whatever the joke is, or whatever Mariner wants to do, she's right. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter whether or not she's actually right. right. She's just right. And that's the paradigm that we have in the show. And that's a real problem when your character is doing a lot of things that are morally not right. <laughs> you know? Well, they really set her up to be a very ethical character. Right. In all of the episodes previous. like the Well, right. even at the very beginning of this episode, you know, she recognizes that one sentient sentient race is eating another mm-hmm. sentient race and she's like yeah you can't do that that's not okay mm-hmm. my mom right. this is the well, she didn't say my mom but this is the one thing the captain's going to be okay with yeah. me doing because this is clearly right. wrong so clearly she has a very strong sense of what's right and what's wrong right. and a very strong ethical core and finds that sexy and ransom right um way back at the beginning mm-hmm. of the yep. season <laughs> but um but there was a total lack of ethics in the in the torture porn fantasy that essentially right. that she had uh, worked out or that she created on the holodeck. So, you know, yeah. I, I can't remember if it, I think it might've been notch, but 
So I I have long had a problem with um with shows that want to really say something important but have so much violence that the message to me just gets lost in the violence mm-hmm. that's happening. Mm-hmm. Or I actually feel this way about Mad Men. Full disclosure, I've only seen half of season one of Mad Men. Mm-hmm. But part of the reason I can't watch it is because of the way they treat women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know in some ways, I don't think the purpose of the show is to be a commentary on how women were treated in the sixties, but, um, it's just, it's part of the, you know, the air they breathe in that right. setting. Right. You know, that's just mm-hmm. how men talked about women and, you know, I mean, that's just, right. you know, it was yeah. just, about, but I just, I'm so like, watch. I like the older I get, the less, you know, I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry. God damn it. Just stop using women's bodies to sell products and right. stop, you know, like sexualizing mm-hmm. women this way. And so mm-hmm. anyway, I'm just like, I'm so over it. Like, how can it be 2020? And we're still doing this so much. Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't watch that show. Um, and, and I mean, I, that's probably a skewed understanding of Mad Men because that's why I said full disclosure. I haven't seen the whole thing, but it was like, I couldn't, I couldn't get mm-hmm. past that. And so I stopped, but yeah. I, I have that problem. I've never seen Game of Thrones because I've heard about the violence that's in that show and and I just I mean like gosh you know I I understand that there are some there's some really great storytelling that maybe I'm missing out on because of the violence but this episode was an example of yeah we don't need that like that did not it did not need to have that level of violence and I know it's a cartoon but But still it did not need to have that level of violence in order to drive home what they were trying to drive home and I don't even know if they drove home what they were trying to drive home I think because of the way that they were telling the story they weren't successful in driving home anything in particular Mm -hmm. right like the the, what what the the moral of the story is that because it was on the holodeck nothing mattered right like it, because it's because it's a fantasy, it doesn't matter that it's fucked up. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not necessarily true. Like, well, you know, it it makes me think a little bit of that scene actually in First Contact, mm-hmm. where Picard gets the Tommy gun yeah. and shoots the Borg mm-hmm. after turning the safety settings off. But in First Contact, you know, afterwards there's a conversation about that. Right. And yeah. you know, it just Picard, back there. Yeah. exactly, yeah. Yeah. Right. exactly. And and I feel like we didn't really have that. Right. In, in well, we had it. It was yeah. guys therapy works. And like, yeah, yeah, exactly. right, there you go. <laughs> and oh, Tendi, I'm so sorry that I totally uh, no biggie, judged no you based on deal. all stereotypes, even though you've never shown any of those stereotypes to be true in the person yeah. that you are. You know, like any, yeah. But yeah oh, but well, oh, I, it's okay. I, I, I think to be fair, the, the Tendi bringing up that she was completely uncomfortable with, uh, with everything, kind of mirrors that that moment in, in First Contact. Uh, but, but yeah, a lot of it also comes down to that. Uh, like just like the bigotry that that uh, she was having to deal with, uh, sort of mixed up in into that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I I get where you're all coming from with that. So, yeah. uh, Emily, thank you for bringing Game of Thrones up because I think that is a series where you have a different reaction to some of the thing kind of things that Mariner is doing, like some of the casual cruelty because of some of the setup. But I don't want to get caught up in that discussion, so I'm going to move us along mm-hmm. um, yeah. to talk about fake Mariner real quick before we take a break here. I think what the writers, if I had to like put myself in their place, and I would write for Star Trek any day of the week, so I would like to put myself in their place, but I can't. But if I were to do that just now for this podcast, <laughs> I think what they were trying to do with fake Mariner was be like, actually, here's who Mariner really is. And, you know, it's all okay because at the end, like all the cruelty and everything, just ignore mm-hmm, that because yeah. at her heart, she is this wonderful, like 
caring person who and she loves her mom yeah i may yeah. hate protocol but i don't hate the ship i don't hate the crew i work with my best friends blah 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 and it just didn't work at the same time it's nice to see that that's her inside like that's that's who mariner is i was actually like glad when fake mariner showed up because i was like that's actually this should be like if if this episode ended with the two of them like switching brain spaces and like the real Mariner like dying in the episode, I would be like, that's actually a better ending <laughs> than the one. Staying with- on the holodeck with Badgie. Right. <laughs> and a fake Mariner, like who's like warm and, and has all these revelations is the one leaving the holodeck, which I think that's what the writers thought they did, but I don't think it worked. Mm-hmm. What do no, you all think? I mean I so I, I I agree that I think it was given everything that um was already in the movie or in the movie, already in the episode, like because Freeman wasn't actually on the holodeck and it was just her holodeck self, like Marin, other Mariner did have to show up. And it does make sense given what Boimler's original program was that Mariner would be on the, in the program. Um, it, the conversation between them didn't make any sense to me because it didn't sound like they were the t- two uh, versions of the same person. It was like, no, I completely disagree with you. And like, how can you disagree with, I think something you already think, like, I don't understand how that's a thing. Um, but it also, like, it just showed to me that, that, like, that, again, like, that part of the episode didn't get us anywhere because it's just Mariner talking to her shadow self. She doesn't grow because their her relationship problem is not with herself, realistically, although there is obviously that, that part of it, but they actually didn't work on anything together. Like, it wasn't like, I know you've been through some shit and blah, 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 blah. Like, there was no therapeutic actual communication of Mariner talking to herself. So like that didn't get her anywhere. And then she didn't work on her relationship with Freeman in the real world. Cause she kept being like, you're not, you never listen to me. And Freeman's like, I don't know who you are. Like, and that's a really fair point. Cause she doesn't know who she is. So then there's no, it, it would have been a better move to have Mariner talk to Freeman in real life. And it didn't happen. And this was like a, a poor substitute. So it did that did need to happen. But it it's just it's a culmination of all the choices that the writers made in this episode where it did need to happen, but it wasn't satisfying at all for me. Personally. It kind of did happen in Moist Vessel, which is why it's interesting right. that they brought this back again in this episode. Right. But um, because, you know, they were butting heads, but then they kind of came to this realization by the end of that right. episode. Well, they, yeah. oh, you know, they work together to overcome this problem that they had anyway and so it's just it's confusing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um i will so we do have some evidence for the holodeck being used to uh, with people that you know that are on there um Mm -hmm. you have the voyager episodes where uh tuha created a security um uh, simulation of the Maquis crew revolting, which Seska takes mm-hmm. over. I forget the episode name. And then there's also the episode where Tuvok has a semi holodeck simulation where he kills um, Neelix. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And so, so there, there's some treatment of that before as well. So I, I want to give the writers some credit that they they know what they're talking about when they create this. That they're not introducing us to something completely new. Um, but I think at this point, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and move on with talking about character development. Oh, <laughs> oh look! Oh, Shax's earring! You have to wear it. Come here, come here. Uh, I don't know. Isn't there, like, religious significance? I mean, some of his ears still on it. Come on, dude! Orions are pirates! Pillaging's your whole thing! Okay, stop! It is not my whole thing. And for your information, many Orions haven't been pirates for over five 
five years. Okay, sorry. Look, you can just be my generic warrior henchman. Come on, come on, let's go torture the cat doctor. Like, really torture the hell out of her. Her name is Dr. Tana. You're way too into this. This is messed up. It's a holodeck. It's not real. What is with you today? This is not healthy. Can we stop the movie? No. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. To move us into talking about Boimler, I wanted to mention one last thing about Mariner that I dislike, which is that she kind of screws Boimler over. Like, all of her shenanigans, he, he's, like, wanting to practice, do this nice thing for himself and his advancement. And not only does she stop him from practicing, but then it ends up with him screwing up his interview with the captain right. at the end. So what do you all think of Boimler's treatment in this episode? Yeah. <sighs> Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. Uh, he's a nerd. She's a jock. It's, it's just gotta. It's just the way it's gotta be. It's, it's you what know? It is. I mean, I think the the stakes were so different for the two of them that it was a really strange episode. Like, I mean, it's kind of fun, like having him trot through a Star Trek movie and be like, "Let me tell tell me all your favorite things. Like, what's your kind of favorite kind of cookie? Like, that's funny." Yeah. And it's a way of treating things like it's not real in a way that doesn't make him to be a psychopathic serial killer, which is great. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think that, you know, Boimler came as he's not. We like, don't need two of those in the show. Right. You definitely don't. Oh, my God. I mean, so Boimler's like not exactly like the most stand up, interesting and um, dynamic character, but he is really like definitely does not seem to be anywhere near as big of an issue in this episode <laughs> as Mariner does. Like, he just wants to do a good job in his interview. That's all he wants to do. Um, and so, I mean, in that regard, like, you know, I think what's cool about this episode, realistically, is that he does get to progress a little bit as a character because he learns something new that he then has to, is going to have to figure out how to use in mm -hmm. the future. So there is some sort of idea that he, his character is going to move forward in some direction. Um, but also, I mean, this episode wasn't really about Boimler that much. It was all it was all Mariner mm -hmm. all the time. Um but I think we what we learned is that Boimler also doesn't give a shit about other people when it he, he wants to do something for himself. Like he stole everybody's data and uploaded it into a program so that he could pr like prepare for an interview, which is and like Rutherford's like so there's some personal things in there like and but everyone's like just that's fine. You know, ultimately that's okay. And not like, whoa, man, that's actually a real problem. So Fuck yeah, you. I, I actually think that uh, my hot take or my strange new take uh, in the middle of the episode is uh, that actually that's the most unethical thing uh, that happens in this episode <laughs> is, is harv harvesting everyone's private data in order to create simulations of everybody. Like, I, I think that is a bigger violation. So I, I, I get where everyone's coming from with in terms of like the getting into the like super violence and, and, and also also for sure the, the bigotry side of, side of things from coming from Mariner. But I, uh, there, there at least can be an argument that um, it's, that they're video game characters or whatever. Mm -hmm. If if we sort of separate ourselves a bit from that, they are supposed to be hyper-realistic uh, simulations of everybody that like, and we, we've seen in Star Trek, maybe some of them actually can gain sentience out of this thing. Right. But um, <laughs> yeah. the, there is an argument that uh, Mariner is just killing uh, video game characters and mm -hmm. the, and that, maybe there's nothing sort of like ethically wrong with that. The The, the problem mm -hmm. is, is she's involving her friends in it. Mm -hmm. And it's also like disturbing to everyone. So she, she's not doing anything to um, sort of shield anyone else from what's going on. But uh, mm -hmm. in terms of like the, the big 
problem. Like I was kind of expecting mm-hmm. the episode to go a completely different direction and have us explore mm-hmm. like, hey, Boimler, this thing that you thought was a really good idea. Like <laughs> this is horrific uh, because like right. th- this is good. literally what Facebook is doing. Uh, and, like uh, what, yeah. like right, they, right. Uh, a lot of these companies, like they want to create like accurate predictions of what we are. And the best way to do that might be by simulating. Us. Right. <laughs> so it's, Seriously. Uh, but yeah, that's not, that's not what the episode thought about uh, at all. So, uh, we so just kinda... I, ju- I just want to make one clarification. I think your point stands. I don't think it's clear that Boimler stole anything as much as it stole the computer. Like, I don't know if this is just like a massive hole that nobody thought no, about. No, I think they say it actually in the, in the holodeck when like, they're like, well, you, you created a simulation of the whole crew. And he actually talks about, like, I think he made it like a program or something yeah, that harvests he people. Does, so, like, he but... actually superseded the security codes to make that happen. And that's where I don't know whether the where he could just be like, computer, use this private logs. And the computer's like, that's fine. I can do that because that's the thing that is true in the Starfleet universe versus um, it seems like. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just giving too much credit to Boimler here. And, and I feel like. I mean, I feel like did other he... ensigns. Maybe it's it, it could be over, easily overridden by his own, like security code. But for like the captain and the first officer, like right. you better believe yeah. that those are actually really protected. So it's like, I mean, first of all, even if you could access those things, you sure as shit should not, <laughs> because right. they're your co- friends and your colleagues, and mm-hmm. that's for personal data that's not meant for you. But then also like. He definitely had to do some mining for his superior officers. Like, and you no could, like, he... torture somebody to, like, get them to reveal secrets in the holodeck. If yeah. That yeah. was, like, you know, so. Which which I guess it's also, like, it, since it's a cartoon and since it's Boimler, like, of course he does, like, all this super high thing that, like, basically any uh, of the enemies in Star Trek, like, that, this is what they would need, yeah, because they could torture mm-hmm. people and then get the info out of them. But instead, uh, he does it just so that he can, like, ace his interview for this <laughs> diplomacy. Uh, is it an internship or workshop, whatever he's going to do? It's, workshop. Yeah, workshop. Yeah, 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 it's not even an internship. It's just so he can, like, attend a workshop. Didn't he say in Veritas that he read all of their personal logs? Yes, yeah. he did. So this is, so actually, this is this the is, second oh. episode where there's been mention of him. Right. Uh, reading personal i don't think well, he just said like their but I, I, I guess, ship's logs i think he said personal logs yeah i i guess i i, mm-hmm. I thought of that as being the like personal public logs uh right. versus yep. the yeah. uh, yep. confidential ones yeah. well that's what it felt so that's what i thought until this episode when right. it said that he was using all of the information to create yeah these so i guess they perfect have replication so that did. made me think that well that just revealed another layer to what exactly he was reading but, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I just think I think it, it just shows again, like we were talking about this before about Freeman and Mariner being similar, and like this is Mariner and Boimler being similar, and that they like they kind of don't give a shit about other people when they want something, and there are barriers of like maybe you shouldn't do that thing, like maybe it's not good for other people for you to do that thing. Both of them are kind of like you know what, I still want it, and like they don't even consider it, and it's like that it's used as a joke, mm-hmm. and not as a like this is actually a really serious moral thing that you're doing. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Max, you said it before, I think the last episode that we were in, that you really are starting to dislike Boimler as a character. Does it, does the same? Like, I, yeah, I mean, to some degree, I, I think like it, the, the issue with this episode is we just had such a fucked up version of Mariner here mm-hmm. that it was kind of hard for me to really focus on, for sure, for um, sure. you know, what, what Boimler <laughs> might be doing wrong. But, you know, I think like one thing kind of like the, um, 
kind of like moral issues aside here, I just found it hilarious how, you know, Boimler creates the simulation to get ahead in his interview. And then when kind of the setting changes and he's in sort of this you know, action-packed, high-stakes movie setting. He just keeps doing the same thing. He's just, like, still going around asking people uh, for, like, personal information to improve his odds. So, like, his, his ass-kissing is just on on another level. It's just incredible how much effort he puts into it. He really does. So, so final point before we move on, which is something I forgot to mention with Mariner. One of my, the worst scenes in this episode and i think one of the worst scenes in star trek actually and i'm 100 percent serious when i say this is the thing with shax's earpiece oh yeah yeah it's so fucked oh, up it yeah. is just Horrible. that is again just gross it's got all this like religious yeah. issues it's got like a you know a gore issue it's got like a, right. a, a, a issue of like cruelty it's just got so many so layers of disgusting disrespect of a of, of a physical person like of a person like and, that's yeah well and that's the moment when tendy is like i'm done yeah, yep. bye. Yeah, know. it's true. So at least that worked with the characterization. Tendon. And at least like, that was the whoa. one time where they actually, the show made commentary on how atrocious her behavior right. was. Shout totally. out to the person on Reddit who posted, every episode of the series, I just smiled the entire way through. Uh, I'll just leave that there as a contrast. Great. Um, Tendi, <laughs> speaking of which, doesn't like to be mm-hmm. racist typecast. Who knew? Weird. What? I, I was <laughs> not expecting that. Great actress, though. She, she acts well. Yeah. Uh, like yes, what's up? <laughs> the actress playing Tendi acts as Tendi acting well. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it, I thought it was funny. Like I mean, so Tendi and Rutherford initially like really committed to the to the game that they thought they were playing. Oh, for sure. And they're like, this is the best, and they're Theft. having a great time. Like. Yeah, it was so good. Ah, it was so good, and so that was fun for them. Like initially, there was a fun level for them that obviously Mariner was not buying into, and Boimler was in a completely different planet. But I think this is the most that I've ever liked Tendi as a character. Um, in this episode, it was really just her being like, "This is messed up. I am uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I've told you I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to do this anymore. You're better than this. Goodbye." And yeah. I was like, "Damn, you have boundaries, and like you're not worried that she's she likes you or she dislikes you. You're like just saying that." And I that's. I really had a lot of admiration for Tendi because she's literally the only person in this episode who is like, whoa, not okay. Yeah. And even like Mariner was never like, hey, this whole pro- program was never a good idea. And that was actually a problem. And Boimler was just like, I wanted, like, I got what I wanted. Like there's, yeah, you yeah. know, it's just, it's just one of those where it's like Tendi was the only person who was the voice of reason besides like Mariner Prime. And I really appreciated that about Tendi. Yeah. And it, Gave depth to her character, which I really appreciated. Yeah, I I am disappointed in the writers for um, bringing in the very end with with Tendi of right. uh, sort of. I, I I mean, so I I get that this is something that Tendi probably would have done and and whatnot, but mm-hmm. the uh, it's kind of the like the the black character uh, has to, uh, apologizes mm-hmm. to the white character for for the bad shit right. that they did. Uh, and, right. and it's and, yeah. and sort of using the justification like oh well yeah it, I mean a lot of it is really true uh, in reality so right. so that so I I get where you're coming from I'm like you that like I'm, we, we didn't have Ryan, to do that right? Uh, <laughs> right. in this yeah. episode and that and that's yeah yeah that, that is something that is done so often uh, well, in of... in reality that I I I just mm-hmm. I didn't need to see it done that way and I and right. I I think that like there was an opportunity for it to be like yeah you fucked up. Thank so you for your apology. Were, that that makes me think of two different things. Um, the first one being, uh, I I I really appreciate when Star Trek shows a different 
side or a different um, segment of society for the aliens that mm-hmm. they've created, right? Because they're usually so homogeneous. You know, I mean, they're just yeah, like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. they're just the same, right? All right. all Klingons are warriors, and right. and mm-hmm. all Romulans are sneaky. Mm-hmm. You know, anyway, um, and so uh, th- it was refreshing to see. And Orion, who was none of the things that Orions mm-hmm. have been before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And distressing to see that it didn't matter to Mariner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All mm-hmm. she could see mm-hmm. were all the stereotypes that she right. had been exposed to in the past. But then it was also distressing. So, I mean, in some ways that was cool for the writers to show that. But then they undid it by... By Tendi saying, well, yeah, I totally understand why you would say that, because you're right. Five years ago, all Orions were like that. No, why? Right. Why did all Orions have to be like that yeah. until five right. years ago? Like, right. like, why wasn't that just, you know what, we have, uh, I mean, why wasn't it just one segment of the population who just happened to right. be drawn to? Yeah. Anyway. Or, or even also, just also, leave it, them like that, right? Like, leave the Orions, right. like, let them be that way. But maybe Tendi's point is, hey, maybe you shouldn't, like, you know me. Like you, you've known right, me for absolutely. a while. Yeah. Like it's, right. I, yep. I, I didn't need the Orion, th- like that that explanation of like, oh, we've changed for five years ago. Like I, it just wasn't yeah. even. Yeah. It should have well, just been like, Tendi- don't typecast. Mm-hmm. To Adam, to Bowen's point, right? It makes Tenny like a representative of an entire race of aliens, uh, unfairly, yeah. right? She yeah. should not be the representative of all Orions. That's not okay. Yeah. And then, like for Mariner, to to Emily's point, like. Mariner was really happy stereotyping Tendi because it suited her purposes. Mm-hmm. Like she wanted Tendi to get her hands dirty with her. She wanted Tendi to cause some havoc. She wanted Tendi to like like torturing and killing holodeck versions of her of her coworkers. Yeah. She's and a Ryan. So, she'll love this. She'll yeah, love yeah. this. And so like it, it 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 served Mariner's purpose in a really fucked up way. Yeah. yeah. And like to then have Tendi be like. I'm the spokesperson of all Orions. Like, that's okay that you stereotyped me, your friend who, with whom you work and live. And like, we've been together for months, at least if not for longer, like that's not an okay situation. And like to, to have again, again, have, have these moments at the end of episodes that are convenient and tie everything up and make all of these weird ethical things, these double standards that we have specifically for Mariner, although also for Boimler, to make them okay because Rutherford and Tendi continuously have to give up stuff, that's not okay. <laughs> like, that is where I am. I'm kind of at that mm-hmm. breaking point. And, like, we've seen it before with Mariner shipping off, um, what's his face? The the guy who, uh, uh, Fletcher, right? Shipping mm-hmm. off Fletcher to the Titan, knowing that Fletcher was a danger. Oh, yeah. But it's funny because it's at the end of the episode, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we consistently see these things that happen with Mariner and Boimler that other people have to pay for, but it's funny because mm-hmm. no one got, mm-hmm. eventually got hurt because everybody forgives everyone at the end and they all do this, like the jump mm-hmm. freeze high five situation. Like that's not good writing. You can have people in a funny cartoon show be angry at each other and have to work through it in the next episode. Like that's actually okay. So if yeah. you're going to fuck shit up the way that you did in this episode and like wreak havoc on people's relationships, cool. 
but you have to address it in a later episode. It can't be tied up in 25 minutes. Right. Yeah. The end of the episode should show Tendi being mad at Mariner. Yeah. Again. yeah. Um, and she should be mad. Like there's, there's and staying there's mad. no yeah. reason not yeah. and staying mad. There's no reason that she shouldn't be. I have to keep us moving because we're almost at the hour long <laughs> mark, and I want to keep talking about this more. But we got to keep Our first three part <laughs> uh, uh, episode. Talking <laughs> 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 about Rutherford for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe this episode is brilliant because it makes us talk so much about relevant. <laughs> important issues right um <laughs> let's talk about rutherford uh and his worship of billups anybody how do y'all feel about that one well i questioned his worship of billups since billup was billups wasn't willing to do the role under the engineering door when oh yeah engineering <laughs> i was really yeah, disappointed we need the sexy i was like role. Mm-hmm. that is not what jordy laforge would have done right. i know right. what would he have done uh I mean, I I, th- I love that Rutherford just like ditched the hollow novel everything just to go tell his mm-hmm. boss he's like madly in love with him. Kind of in love with him. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's it's so adorable and like the yeah. part where he's like, I you know I just want to be this like I forget which component he names, but like that's that's what I want <laughs> and and I just want to be a piece of machinery and maybe that's why he got his like implant right. Yeah. Um, maybe that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's definitely the the sweet cinnamon roll of the entire cast and he's just stayed the sweet cinnamon roll of this episode like his his agenda was so completely different from everyone else's agenda and it was really sweet but i mean it also kind of stuck out as like in a kind of a weird way because like he had to be included but he didn't have a role in the t in the, in the episode except to be like i really want to tell my boss that i like yeah kind of in love with I think he's like, I don't know, he's like a science sexual, maybe like anyone who loves science. He's like, you're so cute. I want to, I want to, I want like, to um, impress you so much. Oh my God. So I don't know. I mean, like, again, you know, it didn't actually have any teeth because it was a, it was a holodeck character and not his actual boss, but like, at least Rutherford was using his holodeck powers for good. Yeah. yeah. And I sort of, I, I, and I did, I did like that kind of resolution at the end of like, it, or like, oh, I mean, he's right there. You could go tell him. And we, we go and we look kind of a, a sad and lonely Billups just drinking soup. You know, and he's, he's like, looking at right. Yeah, stone cold badass. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, was like, I, I, I like, oh, but you should Single still tier. tell him. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like he needs friends. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think this is the point I wish to point out that last time we saw a detailed creation that pissed off the person who was created on in Star Trek was Jordy. Uh, mm-hmm. Making Leah Brams, and I just went while we were talking. I went oh, and looked yeah. at looked at how that was done. It was made from a Starfleet pro, uh, persona profile or like Starfleet evaluation, something like that. Oh, and no. then her like public speeches, which mm-hmm. is why when she actually shows up on the show, she's nothing like her holodeck character, yes. at least in my memory. And and that I mm-hmm. thought was pretty cool. So they could there were yeah. ways to have this episode that wasn't so skeezy. But right. let's talk about senior officers. Uh, there's bird counselor dude, as I call him, um, <laughs> who has a name, Miglimo, and a species, Miglimo species, as Memory Alpha calls them. Well, Max, this is what all therapists are like, right? <laughs> Birds. Oh, all right. You Here we go. Yeah, I've got page, pages of notes on this guy. Um, <laughs> you know, okay, very food-centric. Um, I'm going to have to think about this in my own work, maybe more food metaphors. <laughs> maybe that's really kind of the, the key to effective treatment. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about this guy. I think, like, of course, I was sort of thinking about Deanna Troy because, you know, it's it's hard not to, like, think about kind of a direct comparison to maybe the other, like, very mm-hmm. prominent counselor mm-hmm. figure we've seen. Um, 
But honestly, uh, kind of on that front, the main takeaway for me was that this guy had a much nicer office. I mean, it truly looked <laughs> like a therapist's office. Yeah. Uh, he, he was decked out. So they they made space uh, on the ship for him to have a nice therapist space. Whereas, I mean, Troy's room always looked like crap. You know, like I, I can't imagine a therapist working in the, in the space that she had on the Enterprise. So uh, so so nice work there, I guess. <laughs> you I think suit. we didn't really... We obviously... Yeah, he sure yeah. does. We obviously don't see a lot of him because his work is treated like a joke in the episode, which is uh, a problem. Uh, and But, like, you know, I think the Mariner's point of, like, he just uses food puns. Like, the only reason I picked up on the food puns was because she talked about the fact that he uses food puns. But, like, you're in a bit of a pickle or, like, your veritable fruit salad of pro- – like, it was kind of you're funny. You're being a pineapple. Being a pineapple right now. Like, I mean, okay. But, like, that's not a reason that he is a bad therapist. And if, like, I mean, Mariner, if she's trying to avoid going to therapy because she's scared of it or whatever, okay, fine. But, like, that doesn't mean that your therapist can't be a little bit weird or quirky and ha- and, and, and still not be, and still be a good therapist. You know what I mean? Like, there's. Yeah. So he's treated as a joke. Therapy is treated as a joke. And I, I like I liked his character more than that. I thought his character was actually kind of like nice and funny and not problematic. <laughs> Just like so, like the way that the episode treated him at the end, and the way that Freeman treated him too. Like he was like a free use data situation, like kind of what Emily was saying. Like, well, like call, like you know, let me t- tell me about my daughter and tell me all the things that she said to you. Like, you you you, you have to respect people more than that. Like there, that's not what his job is, and. Mm-hmm. The, I don't know. Like, there's like this uh, this desire for instant gratification when it comes to therapy that that's not realistic and it's not an okay expectation. And so, you know, to treat him like a joke and then to treat his job like it's there just to give people straight answers. Like Max, you were like, let me walk into my office for the first time. Let me tell you all the things that are wrong with you. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. And here's and now you just mm-hmm. do them. Like that's not how therapy works. I don't know. I just. But I mean, at the same time, you're not going to show how therapy actually works right. in a 30 minute animated episode. Like, I, right. I don't know. I think it's a hard thing to depict. Like therapy for most people is is a long and involved process. And mm-hmm. I think it's a hard thing to sort of accurately depict what that process and, and the change that's involved looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of Freeman, we learned that she holds the Academy Hydro Scoot speed record although that might be like a movie thing <laughs> we don't I wanna, know i want a hydro scooter so bad you're talking about like you can't scoot with us and i was like this is the best yes. i really want to scoot with you so badly <laughs> so so emily you had some things to say about captain freeman early on being like her daughter mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about that when they were taught uh so um i i felt like there was a lack of recognition of what is really what how she comes off to people mm-hmm. um so mariner doesn't necessarily recognize how she comes off to people or like she, mm-hmm. um, whether she recognizes her self-sabotage mm-hmm. or not, she still has to have it called out to her. You know, her friend, uh, I can't remember. You said her name earlier, Diane. I can't remember. Ramsey. Was, Ramsey, Ramsey, Ramsey yeah. um, you know, had to, had to point out like what she was doing. Um, yeah. the, the captain has this, uh, this notion of herself as being warm. What did she say when, you know, what are you oh, talking yeah. about? I am warm and caring or something, you know, right. and yeah, that's exactly. not something that, that we've um, necessarily experienced with her character, but also mm-hmm. like, I mean, her daughter, she and her daughter have the same um, attitude toward therapy. So I find right. it interesting mm-hmm. that Freeman wants to send her daughter to therapy mm-hmm. and yet doesn't, seem to recognize the value or the point of it when she's there mm-hmm. um right. yeah it was a weapon for her 
Yeah. Right. And it's just, yeah. they both, they are, and, and they are both intent on seeing the very worst in each other. Yes. So, so Captain Freeman is not capable of seeing the good intentions or the good in her daughter. And, right. and Mariner is not capable of seeing the good intentions or the good in her mother, except right. for fake Mariner who right. says, you know, I love my mom. She's just doing what she, the only thing she knows how to do. She's the reason. Right? I mean, yeah. if she kicked mm-hmm. me off the ship, I'd be out of Starfleet. So that's also another pointing to this. There's something really like, and now in light of this episode, good mm-hmm. God, I wonder what the hell Mariner did right. to lound her on the Cerritos. We're, we're going to find out next I, week, I think. Yeah. I know, because it was <laughs> I like, so. I didn't think it was anything. I mean, probably it wasn't going to be something great, but now I'm really worried it was some serious screwed up stuff. Right. Yeah. Like people, like people died, like, right? Like if she, right, because if she was going to kick out, get kicked out of Starfleet altogether, like, mm-hmm. and especially if, I mean, this episode, she, mm. she ignores the Prime Directive, right? Which would have been a reason potentially to be kicked out of Starfleet, but it seems like that's not, it's not like a repeat performance because her mom would, would have brought that up potentially in this episode mm-hmm. um so something else happened uh, yeah I, it's i think it's interesting because like i don't know like you said emily like the 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 shadow version or the the uh, mariner prime is like i love my mom and they thought like really good things about my mom blah 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 but like again there's no reason for other mariner to disagree with those things because that's something that mariner actually does believe mm-hmm. and so why would mariner disagree with mariner if mariner in all the personal data and the logs it recognizes that her mom saved her career and is trying to help her the best she can. Like there's, it doesn't, it doesn't add up, doesn't match up. Uh, it feels very like convenient to the story or then ra- rather than like, con- like um, conducive to the character development mm-hmm. between the two of them. It doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> Just and especially like after, like you said, Emily, like after moist vessel where they did work on their relationship, another episode that we didn't love. Right. But they did work on their relationship and they did progress some way than to have this episode sort of come out of nowhere. Yeah. It did feel like that, that Apollo episode <laughs> in, in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> we are like, what is this showing us and why is it here? And what what's the purpose of this? And this seems like a backtracking or a losing character development. There's no reason for it. You know, and if the reason is just the joke, you can tell this joke in a different way with yeah. lower stakes. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I will say, I think Freeman was present in all some of the funniest moments in this episode like the actual like humor where i could laugh were were you know boimler scene at the end the like stuff yeah. with the jet and the cookies mm-hmm. um even even the I mean, hydro shout out to chocolate stuff. allergies because i'm allergic to chocolate this is the only character in my entire life that i've ever seen be allergic to chocolate as well so captain freeman and i what's up girl you think you think dr yes, tana well, has chocolate issues too because you know you can't feed cats your chocolate so no isn't it isn't it dogs chocolate cats also i believe i i was i was reading about what i can feed cats and they said something about chocolate so maybe but maybe i should be worried about my cat licking out of my ice cream bowl then (laughs) i don't know i might be full of crap so um hershey's syrup doesn't really have chocolate in it no it has ground coffee and children's tears that's all it is uh, shout out to some of the voice actors in here. Paul F. Tompkins played a uh, bird counselor dude, and uh, Bowen, you said he's somebody in Bojack Horseman? Mr. Peanut Butter. There you go. Yeah, that, that's oh, all I could oh, think nice. of when the, those scenes were in. It was just like, oh, Mr. Peanut Butter. Jet, <laughs> the last time he was on the show we didn't call out was Marcus Henderson, who pl- played Walter mm-hmm. in Get Out. And uh, 
most of the other voice actors are our normal folks. So let, let's talk about the expansion mm. to the world of Trek in here. Of course, the Hydro Scoot. The fact that Da Vinci is apparently like a guy yeah. that shows up a bunch. Actually, honestly, he was, he was my favorite character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With the gun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not the one Da Vinci's watch. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, it's a throwback to uh, to Voyager, right? Yeah, like yeah. Janeway would meet mm-hmm. with Da Vinci regularly, but we we saw a different side of him this time. Yeah. He had the shotgun out uh, towards the end of the episode. <laughs> maybe maybe well, that was he... the writers like atoning for their sins by like killing off this horrible character they've created in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, if Mariner's out of the program, why does evil Mariner still exist in order to get shot by Da Vinci? That's a good question. Yeah, well, that, that, that scene was kind of okay. weird. Maybe, maybe it, maybe it yeah. was uh, reversed, and and uh, the real Mariner was the one that came in on the, on the. I don't know because I mean, Tendi seemed to know that Tendi and Mariner both seemed to know that they were yeah. a holodeck. Yeah, you know, like Mariner's like, it's not real. That's why I'm blowing people up. Like, fake Mariner would not would not know and, that she's and a fake Mariner died program. too. So. Yeah, well, she blew herself up. I and when I saw that what this episode was supposed to be, because um, a little bit of behind the scenes work, I usually grab one of the screenshots that are released. I, I and on the day that this ep- episodes come out, I post a thing saying, "Hey, we're going to talk about this on Sunday," just as like a little bit of a teaser. But to do that, I have to say something intelligent about the episode, which I haven't watched because unlike Adam, I don't watch with my breakfast. I wish I could uh, do that, but I usually watch in the evening. So in the afternoon, when I have to tweet this, I need to look up a little bit of the plot, usually in the summary, to do that. And when I read the plot, I was like, "This is going to be like author author from Voyager." Again, one of my mm. favorite episodes of all time. Uh, I love that episode, but. There wasn't much really, like, wouldn't it have been cool if, like, Tendi discovers this fucked up, like, Mariner holodeck program where she kills people mm-hmm. and, and there's some, like, actual reckoning? Anyway, mm-hmm. we've talked about that yeah. a whole lot already. Mm-hmm. But the one author-author reference we do get is to, to Toby the Targ, who is uh, a character, a children's character in the Star Trek world uh, <laughs> that got referenced there. Uh, another expansion of the world of Trek, the rats versus lizards. Lizards who, or the rats who are speculated by antithesists on Reddit as being the Antikins who show up a bunch in uh, the episode, uh, what was it, Lone, something lonely, seventh episode of, of TNG where, where Picard stuns the crew with lightning. I, I forget the name, but they're also in a bunch of background it's shots. The Lonely Among Us. Right, Lonely Among Us. And Memory Alpha describes them as Antikins were a carnivorous species who preferred to eat their meat alive and had no compunctions about killing and eating their rivals, the Salei. They killed their food using small weapons which projected a short energy blade. Now, the only issue with this is there would be no prime directive violation if this mm-hmm. is what had happened because the Antikins had yeah. already messed with the lizard species. That's fair. Yeah. Which I want to see yeah. the lizard species a bunch. They seem so nice and they just bask. They just like love basking? Listen, yeah. it's so good. They're yeah. so cute. They take mud baths. Yeah. I hope they do. Well, then also, I mean, talking about like, we talked about this about the before, but like the expanded world of Trek, right? The expanded universe into the movies and talking about the differences between the movies and the, the series as like the laws of gravity are different and the rules for trans- transportation are different. Mm-hmm. And so like those things were, were fun. And then also, uh, you know, we have the... Um, the reality that uh, Freeman in this uh, holodeck world has chosen her warp <laughs> command, which is warp me, which she, she was talking about, I think, in the second yeah. episode is like yeah. the cold open. Yeah. Um, she's talking about uh, what, what her warp command would be. Um, so we have like the in 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 series jokes as well that are have continuity mm-hmm. here. 
I would say the only time that I actually laughed out loud in this episode is when that one random Irish engineering officer <laughs> points at Mariner and goes, never, bitch. Like, that was my, that I laughed, like, I genuinely laughed. And I think it was the only time in the episode where I was like, <laughs> yeah. Also, that guy was so revealed that, to be racist. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, right? Oh, what? Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, not okay. Like, did, did you have to I, deal with that? Like, Yeah, I just, it's, yeah. And like, just a lot of racism and casual racism in this episode that like, doesn't I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Um, it's not. Okay. Let's just say that the Rick and Morty Racism's is okay is if you're being funny, bit. right? And yeah. if, if it's okay if it's good against aliens. Right. Um, <sighs> I will call out a couple of memorable moments. There was the uh, you know the part where Boimler Mariner is hot. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like I mean he couldn't have fucked that up more. Like that's what you walk into. And knowing that's, that's the most so useless. Oh, he's just he God. just. I don't know, man. <laughs> no hope for him whatsoever. Yeah, no. Uh, Tana's Godspeedy crazy fucks. <laughs> I need a Tana so episode, y'all. I need like I mean, a night cool. at the sick bay would with Doctor Tana. Uh, um, very good. Very good. Now, okay, trivia. Who picked up the reference to shampoo? Not, Not me. me. We're so, with it. Here is this is this is something that I, I knew from like my late night Wikipediaing, because there was one time that someone made a Three Stooges reference on the soccer podcast I used to do, and I had to I was like later that night while editing I was sitting there being like I know I don't know much about the Three Stooges I've watched their shit a little bit but like I need to go read about them, and so as far as I remember two of the Stooges were like consistent throughout the whole like run mm-hmm. but the third Stooge switched a bunch. And their second third stooge was this guy called Shempo Howard, who was the brother of one of the, or like the two others. Shempo mm-hmm. had actually started in the Three Stooges as the third stooge, but then he left before they got really famous to let Curly in. And Curly got sick and Shempo Howard came back. However, in the middle of their contract with whatever studio they were with, Shempo died. And they had like five or six or uh-huh. something films right, left. Shempo. Right. Whoa. And so they used stock footage of Shampoo and another, like, actor shot from behind to finish those shorts. And that's called The Fake Shampoo. And so a great... Ex- and that became, like, a trope. And one of the most famous fake shampoos of all time is Bella Lugosi in Plan 9 from Outer Space, Ed yeah. Wood's movie, where he's, like, uh, kind of portrayed from the side. There's a Bruce Lee fake shampoo in mm-hmm. one of the attempts to finish uh, Game of Death. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so anyway, that's why that character is called Shampoo because it's the fake Boimler. Mm. Interesting. Anyway, man. Wow, dude. Late yeah, night Wikipedia. Not with the knowledge, <laughs> dude. That's crazy. Um, I like. Yeah. I mean, I like it. Yeah. Damn. Uh, R.I.P. Shampoo, by the way. Right. That's. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going there again. Uh, there was a bunch <laughs> of Star Trek Phase Two references. Did any of you catch those? No. I didn't. I had to go look yeah. all these <laughs> up. No. Uh, one Memory Alpha did, though. <laughs> right? One, thankfully, because Boimler was like, Sean, son, who's Zahn? Well, it turned out Zahn oh, yeah. was mm-hmm. the replacement for Spock on Phase 2 because Leonard Nimoy didn't want to come back, and so they created another Vulcan. Uh, the lightning in the nacelles, that was a, the Phase 2 thing. Oh, that when yeah. the ship was at warp, you'd see lightning. Mm-hmm. And oh. I didn't know, actually, that there's footage filmed of Star Trek Phase 2, but there is. Um, oh, whoa! It was. I just was thinking the warp effect was a callback to two thousand nine. Yeah, I just. Yeah. I, and, and I, I maybe there's I not catch the uh, lightning. lightning in there, but yeah. 
I just charge you with the leading. Yeah. 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 Dang. So, wow. And then finally, the TNG font is now uh, an actual Star Trek universe thing. Oh, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. In universe. <laughs> so, a lot of uh, in jokes. <laughs> right. As usual, thanks to Antithesis for pointing out a few things that I. I uh, th- that I, I quoted just now uh, on Reddit. I appreciate his canon references post quite a bit. But yeah, okay, sure. let us, we have gone way over and I <laughs> still want to go back and talk about Mariner and how fucked up she was a whole bunch, but let's not do that. Let's inst- right? Let's go, let's go, go talk about, this is my therapy after watching the episode, okay? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I needed to process this. Need emotional support. I was so pissed off. Anyway, let's this talk about Strange yeah. New Patreon episode. Right. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> 45 minutes of Mariner. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about our strange new ratings. Who wants to stick their neck out first and uh, give us give this episode a rating? I'll go first. Um, I'm going to I'm going to give it a higher score than I was initially going to do. I'm going to give it a four out of ten. Uh, the writing gets basically nothing from me. I will tell you, like the writing is not good, but the actual conceit of mocking the movies and the art direction does give give it a lot more points than it should like the animators outdid themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> completely oh, for sure and like so the this movie is significantly less than it should be i mean this movie this, this, epi- this episode i keep calling it a movie <laughs> it's not a movie but this episode is significantly less good than it should be because the the this movie situation could have been used to such a better um a better effect in a different episode with a different point and different plots and it's a shame that it was wasted on this particular episode mm-hmm. so Art direction, music, uh, knocked it out of the park. But then this episode was a hot steaming pile of garbage. <laughs> so four out of ten. Final answer. <laughs> Lock it in. I can jump in. Um, I think, I think I actually liked this episode a little bit better, maybe than than the rest of you did. Um, he then burned him. It... He's a witch. <laughs> burn him. <laughs> I will not be responsible for burning him. <laughs> you guys come through this computer. Well, and you know, I gosh, I feel like I haven't really said anything positive about the episode up until this moment, but but here we go. Um, so I, I'm going to give it uh, a six out of ten. I I think that um, for me, I actually thought this episode had some of the funnier jokes we've seen in the series so far. I think like um, I think a great example of that is the kind of. Uh, shuttlecraft trip to the um, the Cerritos and kind oh, of flying absolutely. around it and just how like mm-hmm. painfully extended mm-hmm. that scene is it goes on for like five minutes yeah. and they start crying because the ship is so beautiful um, I thought that was hilarious so I think I think there are great moments in the episode um, but like we've talked about I think it does feel like a little bit of sort of like a Frankenstein monster of cobbled together components that mm-hmm. don't necessarily work and um, you know I think especially the way that we see Mariner to depicted here is just kind of uh abhorrent in, in some ways i mean she she does not come across well um so i'm gonna give it a six out of ten so i'm gonna jump on now because basically everything that max just said i i'm also gonna give oh i'm gonna give it a three out of five because you know mm. i do like it <laughs> but um uh but i same to what you said and you know it's funny i didn't I didn't walk away from the episode going, eh, I didn't really like that one as much. And there have been episodes in the past, or there was at least one where I was like, hmm, it was okay, you know. But um, but this episode, 
like when I was anticipating coming out of the podcast, all I was thinking about was the ways that we would geek out over the movie references. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we didn't do that. And that's okay. It's actually really great. I think the conversation that we had, um, it wasn't my overarching takeaway from the episode, though. Mm. Though maybe now it is. But um, but really my overarching takeaway was just all the little the little homages to the movies that happened. I mean, mm-hmm. and the credits knocking them down, that was hilarious. Like the credits mm-hmm. flying through and, you know, mm-hmm. so that kind of stuff was funny. And, um, uh, in the, like the music, I mean, I even thought the very first scene of the movie or of the oh, episode, yeah. I mean, the same thing of the episode <laughs> when it wasn't even supposed to be the movie on the holodeck, the very first music cue in the episode had that. It was mm-hmm. so Star Trekky, mm-hmm. and it was yeah. really mm-hmm. quiet and subdued, but it, I mean, it just stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also a music geek, and so I hear those things. But um, I, uh, I, as I was watching the episode, I was really uncomfortable with the violence of it, mm-hmm. um, like in the moment of the episode, really distressed by that scene in It's Not Ten Forward, but it's mm-hmm. like they're ten yeah. forward, you know, with Shax's mm-hmm. ear. I thought that was really horrific. Um, and I was glad that Tindy called her out on mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, the fact that she wanted to like murder her mom in a tortuous way, like those things, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like this mm-hmm. is really but it's yeah. funny because I like forgot about that stuff because I w- when the episode was over, all I was thinking of was, oh, that was really cool how they did that thing with the ship and how the lighting mm-hmm. on the bridge was like generations lighting and right. and how, yeah. you know, um, yeah, anyway, so yeah. so that's why I'm gonna give it a three out of five. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I think maybe I'll actually continue the the train of thought that uh, Max had. Uh, so when I when I first wa- watched this episode, I was just I was love loving all of the like random references to things like all, all the like visual and music stuff like I, I was just I was super into it. And so uh, I am uh, uh, I, I but it, through this conversation, I've I've gone on kind of a, a roller coaster of, of emotions <laughs> and uh, uh, sort of uh, thinking critically about this episode. But so I, I think the way that I'm going to lay this out is. Uh, this episode gets a perfect uh, 10 out of 10 Star Trek jokes. Uh, mm-hmm. This episode gets a uh, horrific 3 out of 5 Star Trek ethics. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> 3 out of 5 or 3 out of 10? 3 out of 10, sorry. 3 out of 10. Uh, <laughs> and the But when you watch this episode, you will have a 10 out of 10 Star Trek ethics discussion. And uh, okay. so I, yeah. I, I, I think I, I, I do want to recognize this episode for uh, cre- like it. It there were a lot of things that are really great about it. A lot of things that are super flawed about it and very bad. But like uh, that kind of makes for like this is a better thing for us to talk about. Like I, I feel mm-hmm. like there are like we have talked about more important things in this episode than in a lot of the other ones. Um, and I think mm-hmm. it's because of those sort of like glaring mistakes that that happen in this episode. And so I, I appreciate mm-hmm. it for that, which is going to screw yeah. up our spreadsheet a whole lot. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry. I, I, yeah, you know, it's, it's difficult. I, I feel, first of all, I feel bad that I, by going first with our strange new takes and like, ramrodding my view i feel like i messed up any chance we had of discussing no, the positives I mean, first of all, not, your strange take should always be honest right and then right. number two like if you hadn't said it i would have said it so and so like we, we, we or we've come to the, the, the conclusion through the discussion too you know what i mean like 
it's not just like you decided the, the course. You have decided the course of this episode. Good. Like, Thank you for helping me feel better. Therapy, it works. <laughs> it works. <laughs> <laughs> Go feel better. It's just clear that you're more ethical than Max, Adam, and I because we are still on and, and talk about how awesome the movie uh, references were. It's like, yes, they blew up the ship. Yeah, <laughs> do it. So I, I, I feel bad, and it's going to be interesting coming back to this after we watch much more Star Trek several years from now, and we've had a chance to mm-hmm. rate a lot of like stuff, especially like at some point I want to do like the worst episodes of Star Trek like. Mm-hmm. series for our podcast and I, it's going to be fun to come back to this because this was a two out of ten for me like i borderline mm-hmm. cannot watch this again like i i no, don't yeah. know if i if i will ever go back and see this episode again just because it's it is so tough and i've said enough about mm-hmm. that so uh i'm gonna i'm curious if this is the lowest rating i ever give or if there's a one out of ten episode in star trek i don't know what that looks Code like or even a zero Code of Honor. Code of Honor. <laughs> uh, yeah i'm not watching that again either Code of Honor, i think it's a zero from me uh-huh, maybe it's bad. but uh maybe i have to subject myself to it again which one, which negative one, which there's an interesting story about that if any of you have ever listened to mission log i think it was mission log i learned this on uh where the episode if you read the script of the episode it it is not nearly as bad as oh. it was because of how it was cast and costumed like it was oh. the, um yeah. it was whoever had the vision of um how to make that episode that mm-hmm. is what part of what contributed to the and yikes. and for any any new star trek fans the episode we're talking about is code of honor from the next generation i think it's like the third or fourth season of the uh, yeah uh third or fourth episode first of the episode. first yeah, third season yeah and yeah. it is like just to give you my journey on this i watched next generation as a child i didn't come back to it until about six or seven years ago and i remember being like i should you know everyone talks about next generation being so great i love it too but i need to go and watch it from the beginning it's on netflix now i turn it on first second episode i'm like yeah this is all right and then code of honor comes like what happened nobody (laughs) told me this was here and it's because imagine how british imperialist authors from the Mm -hmm. 1800 wrote about africa and other like cultures they considered backwards even asia where i'm Mm -hmm. from that is the code of honor. They go to the yeah. quote unquote, yeah. like, well, it's not quote unquote, African but it's, basically, it's it's the African planet, according to the British imperialist authors from the 1800. And it's freaking disgusting in its in its. It was conception. on TV like right. last week, wasn't it? Yeah, it was on TV yeah. like last week. Yeah. BBC America does mm-hmm. Star Trek, TNG, and I think Voyager sometimes episodes in the middle of the day. And that's usually my lunch break when I'm teaching from distance learning. And so I'll like... <laughs> sit up sit up on my couch instead of sitting on my floor and like turn the tv from my monitor to actual tv and i'll watch some tng for a little bit while i'm eating lunch and so that one was on because max was home he was working from home that day and so we both watched like five minutes of it (laughs) just like just like the the entrance of the uh the the african yeah like they they, they, like appear and then one of them rolls out a red carpet and then they stand back and they're all like what are these backwards people doing and then like the the ambassador like appears out of nowhere and is wearing like fake like arabic garb and shit it's just like what yeah, they all is kind of look like the genie from aladdin they all look like, like the genie from aladdin like what are we doing like, guys let me just put it this way even talking about this episode makes me like troubled about like how yeah. we, <laughs> I, I don't even want to go any further because like it's mm-hmm. it's so disgusting it's so bad. and bad mm-hmm. yeah uh, we'll let's not put that on, on one of our later. rewatches yeah no we will skip <laughs> that just, one uh we yeah, can talk yeah. about that one without watching it 
Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, all right. Well, I, I, I think that's, you know, we are hitting the hour 30 mark, which is the longest oh episode we've ever done. Um, <laughs> thanks. Thank you, Dinah. Oh thank God. you, Max. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Adam, for being here with me today. Thank you to Bill and Rudy, who are off somewhere. And I feel like next week I want to ask them how they found this episode uh, and, oh, yeah. and hear their take on it. Thank you, listener, for sticking with us through an hour and 30 minutes and hearing me thank you just now, because that was, that was quite a bit. I hope you... If you have disagreements, tell us. Tell us how you found this episode. If you're like, I smiled the whole way through. I laughed. I cut off someone's ear piece and wore it on my ear after that because it was so much fun. Tell us that you did that. Then we'll, add, then we'll uh, report add, add that. Add Strange on Instagram, by the way. Tell right. us that. Add Strange uh, on Instagram. And, and Twitter and Facebook. And uh, thanks to Shinugua who made our theme music. He is uh, the host of a podcast called Geek Fruit, which you can go and listen to if you feel so inclined. And thank you to Winger Bingston Jr. and his one-man Diversity Joe, Diversity Joe, Diversity Show, the United Federation of Characters, for instilling in us the virtues that uh, we all need in a time when cat doctors and Orions are so hopelessly typecast. And, uh, you know, obviously appreciated by his crew, as we saw in this episode, but then cruelly crushed by Vindictor Shirt himself. Thank you, Winger Bingston Jr. (laughs) All right, everybody. Take it easy. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.